Hey, welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast from the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recording live at the undisclosed location of the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Bo Knows Show. Uh, check out our Facebook page, search for Coach Bo Knows Show. And you can email us at show at gmail.com. This is episode 7.5, taking into the weekend, kind of our happy hour. And I am privileged to join by our, we're going to call her the unofficial co-host for now. Um, Ellen Wingenter is going to come in. We're just going to have some fun. Me and E are going to talk a whole bunch of different sports topics and just have some fun for all the stuff that's going on in sports right now. And uh, so we're just going to get started from the get-go. So E, thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, Bo. Um, at the outset, I want to give a shout out to my girls, Ebony and Anne. Uh, they've been big supporters of me jumping on with you and uh, appreciate them support supporting me throughout all this. So that's been fun. And also, I would just love to mention that as the last place team in our fantasy football league as the token girl being fully defeated going into last week, I defeated the undefeated team owned by Uncle Rico handedly. Took Uncle Rico so, down. Took him down. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was brutal. It was like 30 it, points. It was it, glorious. Yeah. And it was great. It was great. I was, you know, sitting there in second place. I saw you were going to win Sunday night. And I'm thinking, all right, man, I got a lead because Paulie, there's no way I'm going to lose this. <laughs> Damn, that Monday night game. <laughs> you know, I... And, I, and now I, I'm back to fourth place after the loss to, to Paul Hayward. And, and I'm not in last place. And no, I'm very excited. You, you jump two <laughs> spots to 10th. And honestly, when you win your next game and you go into that next pack of people, um, you're going to have a good chance to skip up a couple more spots. And that's all you got to do is keep winning and advancing. As long uh, as you get your sneaky. Yeah. I mean, you're there. I mean, that's where we're at right now. So little review. If you followed us in the beginning, you'll know that we have a fantasy football league for all the people who are you'll see on the show and talk. Or you're not seeing, we're not, you don't see any of us. We see each other. <laughs> um, but you hear us on the show. And uh, Uncle Rico, who has been on here for a while, he was the guy I was most worried about. So came out 4-0, guns blazing, and just beat up everybody. And... E, to your credit, you took him out. Took him out. Took him down downtown and just, yep. <laughs> Get the finger pistols going and everything. I love it. So, yeah, so now we have no unbeaten teams. No no teams with, no, with, with zero wins. So, here we go now. Now it's a game. Yes. Yeah, it is. It, it's going to get fun. So, Everyone's hopefully. Three games. So, and five weeks are coming up. So yeah. people are going to have to pay attention because if they don't, they're going to be fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I hoped it. And I'm in another league where I had to go pick up a running back. I was talking to you about that earlier. And I was like, oh, yep. man, just I had to pick up a running back because I didn't have but two running backs on my entire roster. That was poor planning by my coach Bo there. But uh, hey, and you said shout out to your girls. Give, give us the girls' names again. Uh, Ebony Parker and Ann Tran. They are the girls that lived across the hall from me at USC. And so I've known them since my freshman year in college and we have been tight ever since. And um, 
they have just been great about listening to this and giving me feedback. And it's been lovely and positive and it's been a lot of fun supporting each other throughout the years. I would like to say thank you first off to both those two ladies, because we need every demographic we can get. And um, any of your listener, we appreciate, we appreciate every listener. <laughs> if you're subscribing to us, man, I do really do appreciate it. And especially to our ladies, because that is a demographic that I did not think we were going to capture much of. And so I'm doubly grateful for every lady who listens to this, this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So now you got to do us one more favor. You got to go on, you got to rate and review us. Give us five stars. Come on now. We deserve Subscribe. it. Subscribe. Enjoy Subscribe. it. Yeah. Keep subscribing. You know, just tell your friends all that good stuff. Hell, you never know. I might even ask you to come be on the show. There you go. He has a lot going on in sports. It's been a busy week. Unexpectedly. We're going to talk a lot of sports today. We're not going to get too deep into like social stuff or anything else. We're just going to talk about, I think this first thing we're going to get a little heavy on and people probably already know we're going to talk about John Gruden. So before we get too deep, I'm going to put my opinion out there and I'm going to tell people that I am extremely disappointed in John Gruden. Now, as a former football coach, someone who was an offensive play caller and someone who is a football geek, I loved John Gruden. I even have a a mindset. I love his mindset. I love how pro football he was or and is. I mean, he's a guy who, if you know that when he quit coaching, he was on Monday Night Football. Uh His offseason, he was spending time with high schools and middle schools and youth programs to promote safety and to promote the game. Uh And, I mean, he did a big thing with Dick's Sporting Goods nationwide to raise money for for these programs. I mean, he was somebody that I patterned a lot of what I did as a coach after. So this is why, to me, this is even, like, doubly disappointing because this is a guy that, you know, he's a, he was someone I really looked up to. But we've all learned that yes. people's public persona and private persona can be extremely different. Yeah. And yeah. it, being a lawyer, and I told you this earlier, don't put this shit in writing if you're going to do it. Yeah. We were talking about this off. And so here's where I'm going to go with this. I don't care. You know, I'm, I don't want to hear the bullshit excuse. People who are trying to make excuses for him and say, well, you know, this is between two people. No, this is the, this came up because of the investigation of the, Walt, the Washington football team and everything going on there. But the big thing to me is this is emails that you sent to someone through a business email. That you... I mean, this guy hit the trifecta. He made fun of African-Americans, mm-hmm. or at least one African-American. He made fun of women as mm-hmm. far as sending pictures of topless cheerleaders, is my understanding. To and the president of the, the president team, team. To the president of the team. Which has been accused of systemic, misogynistic yes. issues. And then also we see... Uh, the Michael Sam's comments, you know, the comments about, you know, uh, homosexuals. This is all behavior I don't condone. 
Now, I'll say this, and I'm, I'm going to say this, and please don't get this wrong. Everything that this guy done, I think, is egregious. It's fireable, even if he didn't do it under mm-hmm. while employee of the, of the Raiders. Um, he wouldn't work for O'Connor Advisory Group today. Right. If he did that, if I find that out. I'm the owner of the company. If, if John Gruden was my employee and someone came to me with this information, and I went to him and said, this is true. I would say, I'm sorry, I can't have that public information out there about an employee of mine. So, I mean, I, I do understand the, the idea of the boys will be boys. You know, if I'm sitting around a card table with my three of my buddies, and we're playing cards and we joke about, hey, some woman's big tits or, you know, or, um, you know, if a black friend of mine says something about another black guy, mm-hmm. I might laugh. I'm not the guy who's going to make that joke, but I might laugh. It, but that doesn't make it right. And that's behavior that even I'm saying would be wrong on my case. But, right. But we have to, especially if you're a public figure. I mean, this happened. John Gruden was well to being famous. He was on Monday Night Football when this happened. Right. And if you and the- recall when he was on Monday Night Football, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. When he was on Monday Night Football, I mean, first off, he was really good at it, I think. Uh, and secondly, I mean, he was someone that was becoming even more famous on Monday Night Football than he was as a coach. He was because he was seen more of an overall personality yeah. and a tactician. Yeah. So it was the combination of the two. You know, he had his Gruden's QB room where they yeah. would break down film I, and all that I kind of stuff. I love that. I, I still have watched all those. Which is great, but if you're a dick, you're a dick. Yeah. And no matter how good of a mind you may have in whatever realm you are, artistically, scientifically, sports-wise, it comes down to the question of can people separate the art for whatever purpose that is from the artist? That's a really good way of putting it because there's other examples. Now, I... I'm an avid listener of Bomani Jones. He's one of my mm-hmm. favorite podcasts. I love Bomani. Yep. Um, I just listened just on the way back here to the office to record this tonight. I just listened to his interview with Demarius Smith, um, which was really telling to me on some of the things that Demarius said. Um, but one of the things he's brought up in the past is how do you separate that? The example he's always given is Marvin Gaye. Yeah. You know, Marvin Gaye, fantastic singer, all the terrible human being. You know, if you're a pop culture person in the last 10 years, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey was one of my favorite actors. Yeah, he was one of my favorite actors. I loved House of Cards. Loved everything he was in. And then this all happened, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, so it's disappointing. You you would think, and you're an attorney. You know how it is. You, You would think that the more public you are, the more you would understand. I I think there's also a carelessness that comes with that because you come to feel as though you're untouchable. I can see that. I see that argument. Because you're protected by ESPN or a football structure or just who you are. And because you have so many people around you who are, Mm -hmm. yes, yes menning you and just yeah. laughing at your jokes or going along with it you figure like you'll never get touched yeah and so, like so yeah 
Well, to your point that you were kind of saying, yes, you may be in those situations where you kind of laugh along or carry on the joke. At some point, somebody's got to say, hey, man, yeah. well, I'll let give me you pull an- you to the side. You know? Yeah, I'll give you an example. A real example involving both of us. Mm-hmm. Last week, you, me, and Henri were on here. Yep. And we started having some jokes, and you made comments about having a wet mouth. Yes. Okay. You made the comment, not me. Yeah. Not me. Now, it's okay for you to make the comment by yourself. If I said that, wildly inappropriate. <laughs> if Reese says it, wildly inappropriate. Totally. And if you notice, we both kind of like, okay, run with it because you can. And that's where we went with it. Because, you know, again, if you want to open the door, I'm willing to be it. Because I'm just the guy who will have rude jokes as much as anybody. You know me sure. long enough. I love to talk trash. I'm as good as anybody I've ever known at it, too. I mean, I can break someone's heart <laughs> if I want to. <laughs> but, I, but I don't. If I do it, I don't do it viciously. And at the right. same time, there's certain roads I won't cross. I have, and- a lot of, I have a lot of black friends. I will not make a black joke to a black friend. Just won't do it. Right. And I don't tell those jokes to my white friends either. And the thing of it is, and I I think the thing that I'm grateful for, even as I look back on how I've matured and grown over the years, is that to be whatever ally in whatever space and having the privilege of being white and being able to stop some of this, it's having the balls to pull somebody aside and say, yeah, I think it's very important. We do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important as a white man. We do that. Yeah. I, I have the, the massage the benefit, stuff just as bad. Right. And I have the benefit of listening to a very great presentation today with Judy Shepard, who's the mother of Matthew Shepard, who was killed um, 21 years ago and 20 some odd years ago. And, you know, her just saying, Hey, if you can take advantage of the space that you have by being a white woman, a white male, a white whomever and speak for other people who can't, that's a really great space for you to be able to fill, to make those other people feel involved and heard. We have that obligation as people. We really do. I mean, but you know, some people just feel that they can get away with it. So that's why I don't, I, I don't feel super bad about the whole green thing. That's I, I don't know, feel bad for just coming home. <laughs> yeah, I, let, me, let me be very clear about this. I don't feel bad for John Gruden, even oh, one God, iota. No. I feel bad for myself, and that this is someone I looked up to. Well, but the thing of it is, is that I feel disappointed. Probably the best way to put it. Disappointed, but. What lessons are you able to take away from those skill sets that he was able to provide you from the tactical or safety or, you know, just view of the game? You can still take those and be okay with those. Well, that's like it goes back to your idea of separating the art from the artist. And that's a difficult conversation. I mean, whether you're talking about now John Gruden or Kevin Spacey or, you know, we talk about R. um, R. Kelly, Bill Cosby. I mean, you know, you know, Bill Cosby was someone that a generation of people our age. Respected. Absolutely. And then I mean, know, hell, I went to 
he performed at USC my freshman year for Parents I, Weekend, and I took my mom. <laughs> I've seen him twice in person, and I think he was great. There was, I mean, I had two of his books. Yeah. His fatherhood book stands up to this day. Bill Cosby himself, the, the, the comedy special, stands up to this day. But then you kind of separate the art from the artist. You know, we, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine last week with Dave Chappelle. Which, and, and I have not seen the current special yet. So and, I, I have watched it. And this and, was something that Ebony, Ann, and I were talking about watching together once Ann gets so back from Vietnam. I, I think, this is tough to say. Um, I'm going to get lambasted for this. I think he was going to try to come out originally and it be sort of an apology. Like, I think he was saying some of these stories to say, hey, I support what I think he's trying to do is say, I support this. I know you don't think I do, but I do. And he, he blew it at the very, very end. He tells a great story about a trans friend of his. You'll see it. But the very last joke, he blew it. And then he was saying, basically, well, until you understand the Black experience, I don't give a shit about this experience. And it was like, oh, you were doing so good. It was... Uh, okay. I, I'm interested I, to kind of hear watch that. Watch it because... and see, because I, I really think that if the, to the, the way I watched the whole special, it was like he was really... He was trying to show that, yes, there is some serious empathy there. And that he realizes that some of the things he said, while, again, for the sake of humor, it's not always who he, what he believes in his heart. His comedy is not always what he believes in his heart. I guess I would just question that with his additional comments that he's made since the airing of the Yes, that does make it more difficult. And, again, I think until the last joke, I thought it was really good. Okay. I think at the very end, it was like, damn it. Because what he's always done well in his specials is he drops in these little jokes throughout and ties them all together at the end. He's yes. a genius in that way. Yeah. Whether it was the Bill Cosby jokes in one or um, um, oh, I'm trying to think of another one. He did the OJ Simpson jokes in one, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. And so he did all these. And then he tells this wonderful story near the end. I mean, it's right up, right up to the end. And the story, you know, you don't have, I can't do it justice here. And uh, when he tells the joke at the end, he was, it's like, it was almost as if to say, well, my experience as a black man trumps this. I can't speak to either of those things. I can only be empathetic to both. Right. And to say that, God, I just wish he wouldn't have done that. That's the thing I wish he hadn't done. Okay. So listen to it. And if you think I'm wrong, I'm, I'm willing to say that I, I, I could be off. Okay. It was like 1 a.m. when I watched it too. So, um, well, I think it's going to be a couple of weeks until I watch it because uh, Anne comes back on yeah. Halloween from Vietnam. And okay. so she's going to lock down and, yeah. and we'll have probably you, watch it then. Have you watched Squid Game yet? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. Nicholas and I watched it together. Really? Yes. Okay. So for those who have, if you haven't um, watched it yet, first off, you need to watch it. it, But, and even my 11 year old son, soon to be 12 son 
he had been following this stuff on TikTok and yeah. just like, oh, hey, mom, I don't want to spoil this. And he, he, he held his tongue, which was great. That's good, because if you spoil it for somebody, it screws the whole thing up. But in TikTok, you don't get the full story either, no, because it's, it's theories of this, that, and the other. And I think we watched the entire season over the course of three days and just devoured it. And I kind of would like to go back and watch the subtitled version because we watched the dub version because I couldn't figure out how to switch it, frankly. Okay, I watched the English version that had English subtitles and the dubbed voice. Oh, so we just watched the dubs without the subtitles, but you can do the Korean. Yeah, there's, there's four different options in there. Yeah, and I had had an idea. I was just like, hey, do you want to watch this? And he was like, yes. Uh, it was great. I'm very much looking forward to the next season. Yeah. I I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for anybody to say what I want to say, but I'm not going to. Um, the thing about it is, like, so I didn't know exactly what to say. I saw a TikTok of the meeting, like the first moments of the Squid Game. Oh, okay. That was the only thing I really knew, and then I saw the trailer actually on Netflix, mm-hmm. and so I said. I'll watch an episode. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And I said, I'm watching the second episode. <laughs> and after two, I was like, okay, I have to go to bed because I have to be somewhere at eight. And it's already one. And I said, okay, let's just do that. And the next night, I started watching at about 1030. And at 445 in the morning. Oh, shit, though. I finished. I couldn't stop. Yeah, I mean, it, so it, I, it grabbed me, and I, I, I don't usually do the binge thing like that, but that one was so good. And f- for me, the after the first episode, because it kind of caught me off guard. I didn't, yeah. I yeah. didn't know the premise, and I said, "Nicholas, are you okay with this? Is there some violence? Yes, some excessive violence." Yeah, and he was like, "No, I'm good." Okay. And then the next day after he woke up, just to make sure he didn't have nightmares about it, I was like, are you, are you still good on this? He's like, yeah, I'm good. We gotta watch, gotta watch a couple, three more episodes. And I was just like, okay, we're down. Um, I don't know if you're a film buff at all. I am, but probably not to the level. So this I is what be. I kept thinking, especially throughout the season. Whoever wrote this, I don't know the person I've seen it all over, whoever wrote and directed this. Mm. very, very heavy Stanley Kubrick feeling to this. Yes. The vivid, vibrant colors. Mm-hmm. It, this is very clockwork orange to me. Well, Do or even... Feeling? Or I, eyes wide open. Eyes wide yeah. shut, sorry. Eyes wide shut, yeah. Um, Undertones of music at times, and it's that same beat throughout it. Yes. Um, it's genius. It's absolutely genius. I saw a review a couple days ago it was, oh, I want to see, it was in the New York Times. And I about threw my cell phone because this person, you're not missing anything if you won't watch Squid Game. I'm like, you're a fucking moron. Because this is so well written. And the vivid the imagery of it is so great. Well, and what's wild to me is that this had been on the shelf for 10 years. Yeah. The guy who wrote this and directed it and did everything, he's been shopping this for 10 years. 
And then to kind of get to where we are now with still pandemic state and having some of this shit go on, and especially with the income inequality really being exposed, I was just like, wow, this speaks to a lot of things that frankly, I don't know outside of my own experience. Yeah. I experience it, but I don't know it in that way. That way. And wow. I, I just thought it was, I think it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to win a shitload of awards. Oh, absolutely. They're going to make a second season. They're going to make as many uh, seasons as they want to make on this. I hope so. What I worry about, I guess, to that point, that he thought everything through for so long and had those 10 years and just like that penultimate episode that yeah. had that kind of weird thing that... At the end, and you're like, oh! And- well... And it's just that whole episode with yeah, the, the whole and like I didn't know how that last episode was going to go because we know who wins the game, right? The special it's guests like, hmm. coming in and, and that kind of stuff, and you're like, okay, interesting yeah. twist. Um, did, did you know who's going to win the game the whole time? I had an inkling. I called the major twist, so to speak, yeah. pretty early on. That yeah. I I said Nicholas, okay this is who that person is going to be. And I was right on that. Yeah. The ultimate twist, I didn't see. I didn't, and see, I I didn't see the two things at the end come. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I do hope that he continues on and, and does another season. He totally left it open yeah, to have open. something else. Yeah, and yeah. at the same time, if it stands on its own, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. It's it's really really good. I was gonna ask if you. I forgot to ask you before. I got <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so good. I was. Like, it's it's great. I don't know that I've watched a show in a while that I just had to keep watching. So I kind of felt that way with Dave. I don't know if you've watched that. Who's that? On FX, it's Little Dickies. I'm not familiar with that one. I, so, I don't watch a whole lot of like TV shows. I just I do a lot of that. I was not familiar with Little Dicky either um, until last year. And then uh, my friend Blaine turned me on to Dave, which is a show that was on FX. You can catch it on Hulu. And mm-hmm. it's about this white Jewish guy who is a rapper and kind of hits a couple hooks and then breaks the scene. And so the first season's kind of on that development. And the second yeah. season, which I just finished, was really kind of esoteric and weird and hit some very interesting um, notes that I wasn't expecting. But the, okay. I watched the final episode of the season today. And I was just kind of like, I really liked how he closed that out. Okay. I don't understand the arc of the season, yeah. but I like this final episode of the season. I, I, I've never seen it. Um, it's, I, it's I weird. Watch, you know, Jen watches more TV like with that kind of thing than I do. Yeah. Um, I mean, the last couple of shows I got into were this has been a few years now. I got into House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked it a lot. That last season, it was terrible. I didn't watch it. The last season after, after they had to kill Kevin Spacey's character off. Yeah, I didn't watch. Robin Wright tried everything she could to be, to be the, to be the star, and she's incredible. She's amazing. And she yeah. Gorgeous and amazing, yes, yes, yes. Know, everything you want is someone my age. Um, <laughs> yes, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I just 
I got into that one. I got into, let me think. I like, you know, back in the day, I loved The Wire. I loved Sopranos. I think those are the two best shows I've ever seen. I So um, I didn't watch The Wire until two years ago. Yeah. I think that's the, I think it's the best. I think The the Wire is the most best written show I've ever seen. I still haven't finished The Sopranos. I think I'm in season three. Oh, man. I get, that gets better. I, I didn't start The Sopranos gets this better summer. and evolves <laughs> because everyone's arc evolves. Yeah, it's really good. You know, sometimes you get into a see a series where the the main characters all have an arc. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody has to have an arc, but they Sopranos did such a good job of every character aged and had an arc, and then they would bring in a character for a season, and then another character for the next season, and and that was always good. Um, like the West Wing, back in the day. Yes, oh, that yes, was my, that was one of my favorites. I still haven't seen all of it. I oh my god! Go back and rewatch. I should. Some of it. And I've thought about it. Um, I want to get Peyton to watch The Wire. Get the kiddo to watch The Wire. I think he would enjoy it. I think so too. If nothing else, just Omar. Just Omar. R.I.P. Um, yeah, and that's a reason. That's that's a, that's a fresh one there too. Um, um, yeah, those. I mean, know, I don't do a lot of. I don't. I don't. I mean, we have all the streaming stuff. I just don't get into a lot of them. I did watch on Disney Plus. I did get the uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. I do like the Marvel stuff. I haven't watched Loki, and I haven't watched. Oh, Loki. Loki is really good. I, I enjoy. Good. She's seen one division. She said it's good. I like all of those. I just haven't watched that one. Those two. I had not seen the vast majority of the Marvel movies, and so um, I watched them in yeah. Disney chronological order through the app. Did you where, watch them in the release order or the, no? The chronological the chronological. Order. So, okay, Jen went back and did that. I haven't done that. So um, Captain Marvel was first, and I went through there because I had only seen well, like three. Captain, uh, the original Captain America should be first. It's the first Avenger. Oh no, no, no! That's that's right. And then it's Captain Marvel. Marvel. And then you go through yeah, that. and I just watched. Really, it was interesting to see them yeah. piece together that way. I watched. Uh, the Captain Marvel movie again recently, and I love the music in that movie. It's like badass real- chick '90s music. It's yes, like, I loved that. I thought that was There's really. A- I, I I picked up on it the first time I saw it because I think me and Jen went and saw it in the theater, and uh-huh. and it was a cool movie. And then when I watched it again, I was every time I watch it now, I love that they use that music with her. I think she's. I think Brie Larson is incredible. She and is. She is. She's and. Cool. I, I think she probably got a short shrift because there are a certain segment of um, comic book and superhero folks who can't see a woman yeah. being in anything. And frankly, Disney probably didn't invest the money that they needed yeah. to. Well, they're going to make another one of those. Yeah. And, and they're going to bring her back for the next, the phase four, I guess it is, of Avengers. Yeah. And that's why even with some of the Loki stuff, or I don't know if you watched What If. Um, I watched only one episode so far. Mm-hmm. It was like late on a Sunday. I really liked it. I watched it, the it, Captain Carter one. Okay. So I've seen that. I mean, it was pretty engaging and yeah. she's involved throughout both Captain Carter and Captain Marvel and that kind of stuff. So yeah. maybe they're figuring something out that yeah. it's a wider scope than what yeah. they initially thought. Yeah. 
I want to go watch the rest of what ifs. I haven't watched those yet. I was yeah. intending to just have it. It, it is football season yes. and it is baseball postseason. So yes. I'm all 100% sports right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a horrible thing for me. No, it's not bad. I just have daytime to watch other stuff. Yeah. So I just, yeah. Um, Hey, on the John Gruden thing, I'm going to go back for one second here. Yes. Talked about that. I know you and I wanted to talk about because we both get fast about the legal issues here. Mm-hmm. And this is with the Washington football team. Yes. So for people who don't know, the whole way this, these emails came out is because there is an investigation currently going on the Washington football team, the ownership, the president, the entire franchise. Over 600,000 emails has been uh, captured and looked at in there. They're building some kind of thing against us. They've already fined the team like $15 million. They fired Bruce Allen, the, the president. Um, the, the owner of the team, Daniel Snyder's, had to give up control to his wife. They had all the day-to-day control of the, of the team. Uh, there's more to come. but we- There's also the sideline of the trainer who yes. was raided by the FBI. Yes, so there's all these things going on with the Washington football team. And that's where this stuff comes from with John Gruden piece. And um, late last week, I guess it was, maybe it was Monday, before John Gruden was fired on mm-hmm. Monday night, uh, Bobani Jones said on his podcast that he thought that this was stuff being released purposefully by someone on the inside um, with the Players Association to help Demaria Smith be reelected. They had his election as the head of the uh, Players Association was on Monday as well. Hmm. Uh, he was thinly, by a thin majority, reelected. Um, but it was kind of like, okay, let's test the waters on Friday, put some stuff out there, and then more came on Monday. And now it's one of those things where it's like, okay, God, what else is going to happen? There's going to be a lot more to this, isn't there? There has to be. Um, You know, for folks who weren't really paying attention to the Washington football team beyond the name change, there has been excessive accusations of misogyny going on um, within that program with the cheerleaders, the ownership, major sponsors. Um, and the cheerleaders basically being used as pawns to get people to put money into the football team and the program. And some of the corporate sponsors like FedEx and others were a big push to get the name changed as well as it should have been. And they, the NFL uh, being this huge investigation around it, and it's been completed for months. Yeah, no reports and, come out yet. And they've been sitting on it because they said that it would remain um, sealed because of some of the items that were brought out in that investigation. I guess the thought of protecting the innocent, so to speak. I, I haven't really understood the, yeah. you, let me the reasoning the, behind it. Let me ask the question this way. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm asking your, your attorney brain on this. Sure. Um, is there a possibility that they're not, they're not protecting the innocent, they're protecting the, uh, the guilty? Dan Snyder needs to be gone. Yeah. 
more than just making his wife the owner. To, to um, your friend Mike Brady's point, he needs to be Sterlinged out of the league. Yeah. And why that hasn't happened, yeah. I don't understand. There is some sort of politic, money grab, whatever yeah. that is going on that is allowing Dan Snyder to remain in this position. Yeah. He's managed the team poorly for 15 years. Yeah, I mean that should be a a that should be one of the top franchises. I mean, you're the football team in the nation's capital. And is it is it just uh, a fear from other ownership, where you look at some of these aging owners, I and want, they're starting to get freaked out because look at Denver. Yeah, they've been kind of in shambles because it was held in trust, and then. Yeah. The beneficiaries are fighting over it. What about yeah. Jerry Jones? You know. Yeah. Well, I think that you know we've seen a couple times where teams have had to sell a portion of their team to pay for things like like um, it happened with the Steelers a number of years ago, where the Rooney family had to sell controlling interest of the of the team because of estate taxes. Yeah. Um, those sort of things, and and I think we'll see the same thing happen to the Cincinnati Bengals at one point. That uh, the Brown family. Too much of their wealth built into the ownership of the team. Um, that's why they should sell that team to me. <laughs> I mean, I will, it's I will it's, up and move them out of there. Me and Joe Burrow are gonna do it. It's one of those things that you know that Jeff Bezos is gonna end up with the team and it's gonna make us all sick. Yeah. And the ultimate end game would be the Washington football team, given that he owns the post already. So yeah, and I thought that they were going to do that a couple of years ago. The other piece on that is that there's also kind of this good old boy network of the uh, NFL owners that they wouldn't even let Mark Cuban in. No. I mean, he wanted to buy a team and they wouldn't let him in. I mean, um, you look at Kroenke and all the non shit that he, all the bullshit that he owns mm-hmm. as I'm wearing a Rapids. Um, yeah. he, ha- he and his family own six professional sports teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it amazes me that we see some of these owners who just don't like, okay, I mean, there's some owners who just don't give a damn. No. There's some that it's a cash cow to. There's some that own a team because they just like the idea of owning a team mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's like the rich boy thing. Hey, I've got yes. so much money. I own a professional sports franchise. Yep. Um, I mean, but then you got guys like, um, you know, Jerry Jones, I'll use an example here. Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys. They were already the most valuable league team in the league back in the 80s when he bought them. Cleaned house. Him and Jimmy Johnson took over. They did their thing. But they couldn't get along because Jerry, Jerry Jones had to have – he had to get all the credit them winning in the 90s. He wouldn't share the credit. And it's like you didn't do anything but supply a check. You know, any asshole can do that. And – uh, you know, I guess you have to be the owner that says, hey, we're willing to spend. But it does bother me when NFL, in all sports franchises, when an owner doesn't spend money. You know, I live here in Kansas. Kansas City Royals are a prime example of that. You yeah, know, and see, the Cubs were for years yep, as well. Yep, until the Ricketts won. Yes. And then and you look at that and you go, well, wait a minute. I mean, you can be 
you know, in like Jerry Jones's case, he's trying to make a shitload of money and he's going, he's made a mint. Obviously he was already rich. He's even more rich, but at the same time, he can't can't get out of his own way football wise. No, because he's decided that he must be the GM and his ego is too far ahead of him. But But then we look at some owners. Here's the one I bring up all the time because I make fun of him and him and his whole family is Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars. This guy is so rich, he bought a soccer team. They, they're piss poor. He bought a football team. They're piss poor. And then he just said, you know what? I'm going to give my kids their inheritance now. And his son started a wrestling organization. And AEW is and AEW's not bad. The kid actually knows what he's doing. The kid's actually done a pretty good job, especially in the last few months. Uh, going through the pandemic, he's, I'm, I'll give Tony Khan a pass for now. I'm going to get Tony Kyle just for a few more months. I'm going to come mean, back. I get, I'm going to get some wrestling people on here in a couple next couple shows, and we'll chop it up on that because there's a couple things I don't like I'm seeing over there. And yeah, I'm going to get it from Hayden when I bring him back on. But and and that's a whole other thing that we kind of skipped with the whole Gruden thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, what Mark are we Davis, doing? Yeah, Mark Davis. I mean, so here's my other question: the back to the Gruden thing. So for a second. Gruden gets fired. No, well, Gruden he, resigned. He resigned. But so here's the question. And he Urban walks Meyer. In there, he walks in there. Let me, let me ask this before. I, I think I know where you're going, but let me say this real quick and then before we get too far. Okay. Uh, he walks in there. You know, we can't get, we can't keep you. He goes, I know I can't stay. But I know where the bodies are buried. Mm-hmm. Because if they got him, he knows something. He knows he's a lot of an NDA sh- going out of there, isn't he? He's getting his paycheck and he's getting, he's getting his money and signing an NDA, isn't he? Here's the thing: is that the only one that he could sign an NDA relative to is the Raiders? Yeah, that doesn't protect anyone else. Does the league get involved in something like that? You think? Because I the think league- it would be. So from some kind of collusion in that case, wouldn't it? An anti-competitive standpoint from a professional standpoint, I think Bruton could go and argue that they can't lock down his entire profession. Mm-hmm. And so I would not think that the NFL could come in at a high level, which is the same reason Trump has had so many issues with his NDAs. Um, and so until or unless... Gruden is signing NDAs with every team that he had had communications with and or ESPN. Yeah. And I think that ESPN kind of term, you know, some of these last maybe two to five years. I wonder if the league could come in and have him sign an NDA as part of that organization and then say, this goes for anything you've done with, the Raiders, the league, and any of the league's financial partners in any way. If Fidel did that, he would be on a pike. Okay. People hate him for yeah. what he has done to the league in so many different ways. Yeah, he's not, allowed to, he's not allowed to be served food in New Orleans. No, and if he continues to do some of this shit and tries to curtail some evolution of the league, especially in the coaches and the ownership – and, um, you know, just team leadership as a whole, that's going to be bad. Yeah. 
I just wonder how they get away with him not spilling beans now. I mean, if, if I were him, I would. But how how much do you want to expose yourself as being an asshole? You're already not going to get any jobs moving forward. But it's only going to get worse. But if you how many do you yeah. want to be that? Do you want to be the person who's hitting this home run? We're both watching the same thing. Do you, I don't want to be the person to give up that home run. Oh, rough. All right. Good for him. High game. One, one, one. On the sixth. Um, do you want to be the asshole that is dragging everyone down with you? Because yeah. if you're Gruden, what does that do yeah. for you? I don't know. I guess it's one of those just, you know, if you're scorned, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that does. So I was curious about your thoughts on that, though. Yeah, I don't think from a league situation they would really be able to do that unless it had to go in negotiations with this contract or something like that. Yeah. I'm not an employment lawyer. Yeah. But I would think it would be pretty limited in before scope. I, before I rudely cut you off there, mm-hmm. I did, is you were going to say you heard something about John when John Gruden got fired. No. Oh, I thought you were okay. No. Never mind. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, I can't fill any cool gaps in that way. I wish you could. That would be I'm awesome. not that cool of an insider. All right. Hey, um, let's do something that's nice to talk about for a second, but we also know the ulterior motive of this. Let's do it. So the Washington football team, all this shit has happened and the Gruden stuff. But the Washington football team is doing something long overdue and really cool this weekend. Retiring yes. the number of Sean Taylor. Yeah. 21. Uh, if you don't know who Sean Taylor was, Sean Taylor played at the University of Miami, All-American safety, really high draft pick, played for the Washington football team under their previous name, was uh, murdered in a robbery at his home uh, back in, I think it was 2009. Yeah, that sounds right. right. Don't quote me the exact date. Uh, about five years into his career, this is a guy who was destined to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, just he was the best safety in the league at the time. I mean, just destined to be the guy. The highlight I always think of, and I think of Sean Taylor is from the Pro Bowl, actually. Have you ever seen the Sean Taylor Pro Bowl highlight? Oh, I'm sure I have. Go to YouTube. If you, you want to do yourself some fun, if they don't do this in the Pro Bowl anymore, Go to YouTube, search Sean Taylor, S-E-A-N, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, and Pro Bowl. And you're going to get the hit. This guy obliterates someone in the Pro Bowl. No one hits anybody in the Pro Bowl. And Sean Taylor, I think, ended someone. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah it, but this is the guy, he played with intensity. Um, just, I mean... A guy is he was a, he was kind of an old school throwback safety in a time where that was starting to go away, but he was so athletic, so great. Um, I was watching it earlier today. I saw a highlight from ESPN. I think it was from Get Up or whatever the morning show's called now. I don't watch them all. I just have the highlight. And uh, Lewis Coleman said that he was one of the guys that helped draft Sean Taylor when he was in the front office, and he's remember he remembered a conversation he had with Sean Taylor and says. You are the type of player that I wanted to be. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's a real shame that, um, The football team located in D.C. has decided to roll this out the way that they have, given the backlash that's coming to them. Uh, and it's a real shame that they waited so long to honor Sean Taylor and put him up in the ring of honor yeah. and uh, really just kind of address this yeah. and let his family appreciate this really yeah. and that's not me yeah that's why let's well we know there's there's some cover up to this this is well deserved mm-hmm. and uh you know again my hat's off to him his family he's only the third person to ever have his jersey number retired by that organization only three hmm. yeah and that surprised me when i heard that today yeah wow so um hey ellen locally here what's wrong yes. with the three chiefs oh you know um I have to think it's coming top down from Spags. Uh, Steve Spagnola, I don't know what is going on with that defensive structure. I understand that they, you know, they've had some injuries, some potentially long-term injuries, which are causing frustration. They drafted really well in trying to kind of reset the O-line, which can only do so much. But They spent heavily in, in free agency on that offensive line. And, which injuries is great. Are, yeah, the injuries injuries hit them early and fast on that. you got to protect Mahomes. But if you can't balance an offense with a defense, you can't lay everything at Mahomes' feet. And this anticipation – thinking that he can fix everything with a jump throw or a sidearm or some crazy thing to Kelsey to kind of pull it all together is fool's gold. And with uh, Clyde going down, unfortunately, you know, it just kind of. Is, are they done? No. I, I honestly don't think they are. I think. I don't, I don't think they're going to win the division. I think that the wild card is a definite possibility at this point. The thing that I sense from what I see among the team, from my very far removed view, when you have someone like Tyron Matthew going in as a leader on that defensive team, who's going to continue to rally people and you've got people like Mahomes and Kelsey and whomever, you know, on the offensive side, they're going to keep those guys focused, but you still have to play the game and you've got to stop the run. You have to stop people scoring. (laughs) So I I am, I believe that a lot of the problem is Spags too. And, And I remembered a couple of years ago when he got hired, Tyler Jones, the Jones report, when I were talking, and he goes, oh, man, it's a great hire. And I said, no, it's a piss poor hire. It's a piss poor hire. He says, how do you say that? And I said, because I am a New Orleans Saints fan. <laughs> I can recall the year that Spags was our defensive coordinator. And you know what this, the Saints did? They finished seven and nine that year. And that season, that was the year Sean Payton was um, uh, suspended. Oh, and we weren't seven to nine because Sean Payton was suspended. We were seven to nine because the defense gave up the NFL record for yardage. Well, and that's basically where KC is right now. Yes. They've given up the most yards in the league. Yeah. And you cannot expect your team to keep 
teams out of the end zone if they're in the red zone constantly. Do you want to hear conspiracy bow on this one, though? I'm here. All right. This is conspiracy theory bow, uh, theory bow on this one. The Chiefs are in the middle of a negotiation to try to extend Tyron Matthew. I have said over and over, I think the second most important person in the entire Kansas City Chiefs roster is Tyron Matthew. Honey Badger. The Honey Badger. If you will notice, in his snaps this season, now he came off the COVID list. He was a little slow getting back. I've seen mm-hmm. that. We've seen that with a lot of players come back with COVID. But if you see how he's being used, he's only being used on the back side of the defense. The last two seasons, when Tyron Matthews been in his best, he has been the safety who has stepped up against the run, and they play him at the line of scrimmage from time to time. If you notice in the fourth quarter of the game against Buffalo, all of a sudden they started doing it. And that's when Buffalo had a couple of three and outs. It was because Matthews coming to the line of scrimmage, and you don't know whether he's blitzing or if he's a decoy. And a conspiracy theory on two sides for this. One, they're negotiating a contract with him. They don't want him getting all these sacks and these interceptions and making all these defensive plays. It's going to cost them more money. They don't have the money. Two, the biggest mistake that, that, that the team has made in the last few years was an extension for this year for Daniel Sorensen, the guy that I think is the worst player in the NFL. And okay. you watch him play, he's trying to fill the role that Tyron Matthews has been doing for the last two seasons. And he has a piss-poor job because he can't tackle and he can't cover. He can't be the honey badger. Make the honey badger the honey badger and go replace Daniel Sorensen with a fourth corner. Because anybody else can cover better than he can. Okay. And this goes back to our draft day where you reiterated your point when I drafted the Kinsu defense. Mm-hmm. Um, dirty Dan has not been Dirty Dan, and it may just be from the point of fact that he can get hits, but he's not consistent. Everybody in the league can hit somebody. He can't tackle. And what doesn't make sense to me, and this is just strictly from a straight fan perspective. If you're going to fuck around with your players and jimmy up what they can do on plays to ensure that you don't have to pay them as much at the sacrifice of your team. Are you really running your team the way it should be? Well, I would agree with that hundred percent. And I don't know that I, I don't know that I think he, I don't know that they're doing that to Tyron Matthew, but I think they're not giving him the situation. They're not playing the way they should play Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew's an all-pro. He's a guy that's been the one of the best players in his position from day one in the league. Yes. In the three places he's been, he's been dominant because of how you can play him in different places. To me, he's – I mean, he is not the best defensive player in the league, but he's the most versatile defensive mm-hmm. player in the league. And I just – I think they've tried to make that Daniel Sorensen. I, I was just looking this up. So I looked this up for interceptions. Daniel Sorensen had three interceptions last year. He had two the year before. He has 
Uh, I mean, going back to his career, he has 10, 10 career interceptions. I would be willing to bet a lot of money that his 10 interceptions in his career, that zero came in man coverage. I would agree. And I'll tell you why he has those three last year to the year before was because the Chiefs bringing in, they had Frank Clark. They had these, this pass rush they were getting after the quarterback, which they haven't been nearly as good at this year. And then you have Matthew creating some more havoc, make, forcing quarterbacks to make bad throws. I can recall a couple of the Sorensen uh, intercepts off the top of my head. And on all of them, they're him cutting off a ball that's either underthrown or overthrown, and he's the guy there. It's not he's this great cover guy, and there he makes the play. It's that he's the guy in a certain area, and a ball's being pressured out by the quarterback. I would also bet that on all 10 interceptions in his career, there was a blitz. I think that I, would make sense. I would, but, I would love to get the, 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 the full 22 film and watch all the 10 plays. I would bet my last dollar, all 10 were on blitzes and all 10 in, in, in zone coverage. Yeah. Matthew is a treasure in the NFL. Yeah. And assuming health-wise, he's feeling good. He needs to be let loose. And it shouldn't matter if it's contract year. Yeah. And he, he, it shouldn't matter his contract year. We did see that if you looked, if you knew what you were looking at late in the game this past week, there was two or three times you saw him creep up into the front seven. And when I saw him creeping, I was like, ah. And then I, there was two particular plays. I paused mm-hmm. the game. I saw Matthew at the line of scrimmage, or I saw him, what would have been lined up as like a Mike linebacker, mm-hmm. but he's not the linebacker. He's just a safety up in that spot. Pause both of them. Counted the players in the field, started looking. Four corners, one safety, six up front in the box. Guess who wasn't on the field on both 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 those plays? I know why people like him. I, I understand. He's a white guy. He's a defensive back who's a white guy. You know, he, he's, he's a hard worker, this and that. I get it too, that's, but that's great. listen, you he's can't. He's horrible. Well, and you can't just put everything at the feet of Mahomes. No, you can't. I agree 100%. The other problem that the Chiefs have right now is they decide they're going to keep trying to keep games close and, oh, Pat will win them for us at the end. It doesn't work. It's, it's unfair. It puts undue pressure. Yeah, I made the comment to Donnery. I remember on mm-hmm. when, they, when the Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes and when he won the Super Bowl, I said, this is great. And he goes, oh, they're going to win five or six of these, which all Chiefs fans thought initially. And I went, it doesn't happen. First off, it doesn't happen. Secondly, I'll tell you who he looks like out there. He reminds me of Dan Marino. <laughs> he's more athletic. I mean, he's a much more and a higher atmosphere of athleticism than Dan Marino. I'm not saying the way they play is similar. But what I'm saying is the guy with the rocket arm with no run game to speak of, coach doesn't want to help, front office that doesn't want to do anything right, and all of a sudden you just expect him to go win the game. That's a thing, though. Like when you say coach. Yeah, his second year in the league, Marino won the MVP. They went to the Super Bowl. 
They lost the Super Bowl in his case, and he never went back. Yeah. Mahomes went went that second year. He won the MVP. He won the Super Bowl. They went back the next year. They didn't score a touchdown in that game. And is tomorrow promised to any of them now? No, it's not. And I wonder how much of this old guard coaching tree is going to continue to linger. Well, I think what we've seen is that Andy Reid, and see, again, I I was also the guy that wasn't the biggest on that hire at the time. He's shown he's a great coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach. Yes. The Super Bowl gets him his Hall of Fame. Um, and he's got lots of guys' jobs now. His head coaches. His tree know. is His tree. His guys fast. have not been good head coaches. Uh, I think the enemy is going to be the the, uh, the one who will be good. Bless him. I he think needs... the Chiefs to do whatever they can do right now to make Eric Bami the head coach. Yeah. Uh, whether that you pull him and read into a into an office, you say, "All right, the transition starts at the end of this season," because we don't want him out the door. No. Every team wants him. Every team that has an opening. Is going, to hire, is going to try to hire him this season. And it's not even on the professional level. It's no, the collegiate USC level. It's... LSU is going to want him. The, the coaching carousel started. It started with USC week three. <laughs> LSU is on the carousel. Coach Ogeron's just not out of the, out the door yet. Yeah. They're not even calling him Coach Ogeron anymore. It's a, oh, you gone now. <laughs> oh. Coach, oh, you gone. You feeling okay? We losing games to Kentucky. That's not not even playing well either. I mean, it wasn't like they even looked good. I mean, they just he's gone. I'm I'm sorry. He's gone. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll talk about that next next week. I will talk about the LSU. (laughs) I'm going to talk about the LSU coaching search when they fire Coach O, which could be next week because Florida's going to kick the shit out of them this week. Oh shit! Oh, it's not going to be. Oh, LSU's not going to win two more games. All right. It's kind of beautiful, isn't it? It is. All right. So we talked about that. We talked about the Chiefs. Hey, I want to talk about Major League Baseball. You and I are both baseball people. We love baseball. Yes. Now, as we're recording this Thursday night, we are watching the Giants and the Dodgers. And uh, who who are you rooting for? Um, I I feel like I have to stick in the National League. Uh, I was a born and bred Cubs fan and um, our 2016 national championship team, <laughs> the World, World Series team, uh, has been scattered. We've got Chris Bryant sitting here on San Francisco, which is tied one to one on the seventh with the Dodgers. We've got Kyle Schwarber on. Um, Bo's Boston Red Sox. And we are still alive. You know, I still think of Schwarber's hit on top of the Wrigley Field scoreboard fondly, and it's encased up there, and I appreciate it. So I just can't, I can't, I can't do American League. I don't know how to do that. Did you root for Rizzo as a Yankee? No. Good. So we can be friends still. I love Rizzo. I have other issues with Rizzo and some of the choices he's made. Uh, Nicholas has tended to kind of try to do his bat swagger over akin to Rizzo, 
with the hip flex thing going on. But now he's falling more in love with football, so he may be uh, regressing from baseball, basketball. We'll see. But yes, postseason baseball is a lot of fun. I enjoyed the Brewers game the other night against Atlanta. Love the Brewers uniforms, frankly. Old school Brew Crew was great. The fact that my ex husband's team lost, <laughs> even better. Uh, you know, given that he likes to call and taunt my son that the Cubs aren't playing. So they're the Brewers now. Yeah. The Brewers led the league of fat guys though. But those hips, I'm telling you. Man, as a fat guy, I can appreciate Daniel Vogelbach and Rowdy Tellez. Uh, man, those guys. I've been a Vogelbach fan since he was uh, with the Marlins. I read the Marlins, the Mariners. I very much came to appreciate the Brady cast from not this Monday, but last Monday. All right, E. So now, as we're both watching this, we're watching the all. So you, if you're listening now, we're we're recording live while watching the Dodgers Giants game. We are both big baseball people, you and me both. Yes. And uh, I know you are an avid Cubs fan. I'm a Cubs. Sympathizer. I'm a Cubs sympathizer. I. I enjoy Cubs games. I really feels my second favorite park. Um, but who are you rooting for here in the uh, in the playoffs? I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like I have to go with the Dodgers. Uh, just, well, KB's there. Um, while I have love for the fact that uh, Kyle Schwarber is hanging out with your Boston Red Sox and he has that amazing power, um, I'm just going to have to continue to go with that National League team. I can't, I can't give in to the dark side of the American League. Oh, okay. See, I'm rooting for the dark side no matter who wins. Now, I, I, if the Dodgers win tonight, I'll be rooting for the Dodgers in the National League because my favorite player in Major League Baseball plays with the Dodgers. Who's that? I miss you, Mookie. I miss Mookie Betts. He's the best player in Red Sox history. Mookie's great. Overall player in the history of the Boston Red Sox. I can't stand the Dodgers to save my life. But Justin Turner can kiss my ass. See, he's one of those I, I can deal with the Redmonds. I kind of like that. I kind of like him. I, no. If you're going to go on the field with COVID, fuck now, you. I, I see your point on that. I very – I like the ball player, Justin, Justin Turner. But I, yeah, I do agree with you because he found he had – for those you don't know, when they won the World Series – he had just found out he had COVID and went back into the celebration. Yeah. No mask. I, yeah. No, I love the ginger. <laughs> very fond of the ginger. But if you're going to do that yeah, and risk your entire move. team, fuck you. Yeah, dick move. Dick it move, is. banner. And, you know, I still have a fondness for Buster Posey and our friend behind the plate who they changed rules for him because he was willing to sacrifice his body in a way no one else was. Yeah. And I'm here for it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like Buster Posey. This Giants team has been a huge surprise this year. Yeah. It's, it's a good story. As we're seeing this, the seventh just ended. It's one, one winner take all here. 
you know, and it's kind of, kind of wild given the way that the Padres started out so flaming hot. And how fun were they to watch for half a season? The first game that we tried to go, one of the first games that we tried to go to this year out here in Denver um, was a Wednesday day game of the Padres and Rockies. Yeah. Tatis was out for COVID protocol and it was just like, <sighs> yeah. Tatis um, is everything that's fun about young people. In yes. Yes. Tatis and, Tatis and Acuna are the two that I just, of this new generation, they're my two favorites. I have a good friend of mine at work who talks to me about trading baseball cards. He and his boys are into it. And I've kind of asked him about tips and tricks and all that kind of thing as Nicholas has kind of delved into it. And he hates um, bat flips. <laughs> he got baseball coming up. No. And another friend of mine are like, what's wrong with bat flips? They're glorious, just exploration of joy. <laughs> It's against the rules of baseball. Yeah, I don't like the rule guys. Like um, the one that that I remember people talked about last few years was Brian McCann was the keeper of the rules. You know, like I want to fight him. Like anybody, it's like I, I don't think you should be. I think you look if you give up a monster home run to Tatis or Acuna or, or Rafi Devers or one of these guys now, let them style on you. But you or know even- what? But when you strike them out. You know, give them the finger pistols. Or some pitcher, God forbid that they don't mandate the DH in the National League, let pitchers hit. I'm, I'm of the opposite. I think we should let the pitchers celebrate when they have strikeouts. I'm fine with that. But no, let's just have a DH both. in both leagues. No. No, yeah, there's agree. something special about folks who get that one chance to hit. Yeah, but gee, I – Every so often, be well-rounded. Nobody's playing both ways except for Otani. Who is glorious. And it was amazing to see him at the Home Run Derby here in Denver. Yeah. Did you get to go? I went to that. Oh, wow. Um, And I watched it. It was exciting. I was sitting out on the first baseline out in the outfield. And... um, that's where he was warming up and that kind of stuff. And he yeah. tossed a few balls kind of out in our area. Unfortunately, I didn't catch one, but that man is glorious. Yeah. You know what I liked about home run derby this year was Alonzo. He was having a good time. I'm not a Met fan. I've never been a fan of any of the Mets. I'm a Pete Alonzo guy though. I mean, that he back, looks back like years, man. What's that? Yeah, and he was. I got. I got one of the baseballs signed by him. It's the. Uh, oh, fun! I got one of the home run derby money balls that Fanatics had. Yeah, I awesome. Spent some Fanatics points. Went ahead and did that. So, yeah, I like. I like Alonzo. I think he looks so much like. Um, oh, what's the actor's name? The one that was Ray Donovan. Uh, Lee Schreiber. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He looks like he looks. Pete Alonzo looks like Lee Shriver, age 26. Okay. Yeah. I, but think I, I, I like how, that. like, they were at the All Star game and Pete Alonzo's like, I'm going to win. I mean, he looked around like he was looking around like he was C.T. Fletcher in the, in the old, uh, in the old C.T. Fletcher videos. Like, which one of you motherfuckers is coming in second? Cause I'm going to win this one. And he's just beat by hit the music played and he's like, well, yep, I'm going to hit about 20 of these. No problem. 
It was wild. That. It was wild. It was so much fun to watch. I like the polar bear. So I was, I, I like him a lot. So we, baseball needs that. Baseball needs Alonzo. It needs Tatis. It needs Acuna. It needs those young players, Otani. It needs it to needs, be less stuffy. It needs all of it. I mean, yes. with my 12 year old son, he will not almost 12 year old. He will not sit through me watching a game on TV because I'm interested in it. He'll be on his iPad or whatever. We're at Coors Field. He's engaged just because there might be a chance of a toss up or a home run because we will sit out in center field and try to get those things, you know, with the nets fully extended, which understandable, but cuts down on toss ups from the infield and that kind of stuff. Nicholas had a hustle. Like he would go on first base, then he would go where the umpires came up right behind home plate and it it, it was a whole thing and we've got a good 30 40 balls sitting down in the basement that are yeah being a kid is useful for certain things yeah i did hear that home run derby i saw some of this when they were using some of the balls they were throwing Uh some of them were autographed balls do you know about that i did not i mean i guess I guess like five or six of the guys signed a dozen balls each. And amongst those buckets, those big things of hundreds of baseballs. Yeah. They put, they just dumped the autographed ones in there. So if you caught a ball, there was a chance that it was an autograph. And so I saw like, I saw one on Twitter, a picture on Twitter and on Facebook and places, Mm -hmm. people who caught balls. One of them, I saw someone who's almost signed by Tatis, uh, Alonzo, um, Perez, so a bunch of Salvador Perez ones out there, stuff like that. That's that is fantastic. That's a really cool idea. And they should let people know that. Yeah, I don't think they told anybody, and then they did it. Yeah, I guess they had them sign a dozen or two dozen balls each. The, the, each of the eight participants, and then they. I mean, because down. it was one of those things that the biggest thing was that the balls weren't sitting in the humidor. Yeah, yeah. So they got the at Coors Field, so they would fly. Yeah, yeah. And so, if, explain it to people who don't know. So that, here in Denver, we're at Mile High, fifty-two to eighty. If you ever come to Coors Field, there's actually a, a line of seats in Coors Field, which is purple up in the third level and that will indicate exactly where 5,280 feet is which is one mile above sea level and so in order to make it more fair amongst the league which is all below sea level well not at mile high I should say below sea level because I don't think any of the parks are below sea level but they put them in a humidor here to basically take the moisture out, if I'm correct, or am I reversing it? Get the moisture out, yeah. So they're taking the moisture out because yeah. there's thinner air and it, it better equates to a lower elevation. So if you're in Kansas City or Seattle or New York or Tampa, it kind of puts everything on a balanced field yeah. as well, far as they don't want to juice the balls too much the, the ball trajectory yeah. 
And so they constantly have these balls in a humidor that pulls out that moisture and keeps them from being more dense and flying further in the thinner air. But for the home run derby, they were just like, yeah, we're here for fun. Yeah. So they, let it, they just let it go. Let it fly. Yeah. Those balls were flying out. That was, that, that was so much fun to watch. It was intense. Uh-oh. Even Uh-oh. just in warm-ups. Foul ball. No. Yeah, we'll, keep, we'll keep out even the game up there. So you're rooting for whoever wins the National League? Yeah, pretty much. Even if it's Dodgers. God damn. I... Because they've been the Cubs so many times, I have a lot of angst around well, the Dodgers. For, for the Red Sox. The Red Sox, the Cubs, the old school teams, you know, Wrigley, Fenway. No, I'm not sure I can get there. You know, we'll I, see. Yeah. I'm just, as a Red Sox fan, I'm just tickled that we were in the AC, ALCS. Because this is a team that I thought was going to finish fourth in the division and had no chance of making the playoffs. Oh, and then we looked great. For the half the season, it was like, wow, we're actually pretty good. And then I was in there going, I mean, the Rays are going to catch us. The Rays are going to catch us. And they did. And beating the Rays was huge. That's. I mean, it's really fun kind of beating the team that you were pegged against, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, and now it's the, what I don't like, I saw, was on, I was reading in The Athletic this morning. And mm-hmm. Ken Rosenthal had a, had a column on The Athletic. It was very lazy writing, you asked me. He says his whole point was um, the Astros and the Red Sox aren't the teams they were a couple of years ago. Basically saying it's okay to root for them, but he was trying to paint the Red Sox and the Astros with the same brush because of the Astros. Team oh, sorry. Yeah, I was a, about, about fell over trying to swing the bat there. Well, no, that brush up against his head was oh, a I just saw that. Oh, I just saw that. Watch this. Swing. Okay, here I was replying. Ooh, ooh, okay. All right. Now I mean, that was a legit reaction. Yeah, he. Uh, if it wasn't the, you know, fifth game of the NLDS, you would think it was on purpose. I think Nicholas used to have an autographed Seager baseball too, and we no longer have it. He is one I do not have in my collection. Or those, hard. Those of you that I don't know, remember. I own two hundred and seventy-five autographed baseball. That's impressive. Yeah, I got a wall of them. I, have a wall. I mean, I have, every, I have about every major player that's played in baseball. I, if you name them, I probably have them, except for Ruth and Garrett. Do you have a Clayton Kershaw? Yes. Was it autographed by him before you on opening day at Coors Field? No. No, but I have a ball signed by Ty Cobb. Oh, it's also signed by Jimmy Fox. That's fascinating. Uh, I have four Mickey Mantle signed balls. Holy shit! Uh, three of them have different inscriptions, which I would collect those. So that's why aren't you retiring on these? Um, so we did figure out a while back. I won't say the number, but we did add up a memorabilia collection in my house, and it's pretty good. I could probably use it to fund. Uh, uh, not a decent retirement, but he's part of a retirement. Like I want to know. Home, I'll have to send you some pictures when I get home. I um, want to know how much I could fund off of the 91-92 team signed Bulls basketball. 
if the Jordan's legit quite a bit. It is. Jordan, Jordan autographs are hard to get. It's a lot of fun. And Phil Jackson. He, he's one of the ones. So, you know, I collect autographs. I collect, uh, you know, sports autographs. I do not have Michael Jordan. Um, I don't have Ruth, Garrick, Jordan. I don't think of who else? Gretzky. Is mm. what I want. I was yeah. talking. So uh, I have a common friend who's friends with Brian Haney. And so we go, myself and Brian Haney kind of go back and forth to our friend because we supposedly have the two best memorabilia collections in Lawrence. He has an interesting project. I have not done this. He's trying to get the best player from every jersey number from zero to 99. Ooh. That's a really good idea. I just specialize in baseballs. And then okay. I have a helmet collection. I have like 25 helmets and football, football helmets. And then um, I have what I have now referred to as the goat walkway. You come in our basement, you go down the stairs, you have to turn to go in. And there are four items on the wall. I'm rolling my eyes for those of you who can't hear. On one side, there are two Tom Brady jerseys, one Bucks, one Patriots, Um, Mike Trout, who I think cool. the best, he's the best baseball player I've ever seen. Here for it. And then I have a LeBron. It's not a jersey, but it's one of those upper deck breaking through deals. It's like a big poster. has the basketball breaking through the glass. So, yeah, those are my, like, those four in a row right there. LeBron, Trout, two breaks. It's not bad. So. All right, humble brag is over. It's not so humble. I'm here for it. Uh, I'm trying to think of Cubs that I have. I mean, your Cubs. I have an Ernie Banks stat ball. Oh, yeah, my, that's my fun. Stat ball's pretty cool. Um, I have Dawson of Sandberg, Bernie Jenkins. I'm talking about the Cubs. You know, it's I'm kind sure of fun. I could think of, but yeah. We were at. Um, we went to a Cubs game following a cousin's wedding. And we were behind home plate several rows up and Sean Dunstan was in the crowd. Yes. I knew that. Yeah. And because it was his post playing time with the Cubs and my dad saw him and meandered drunkenly over to him and got him to sign the back of the ticket. Yeah. You know, Sean Dunstan, yeah. whatever. For whatever reason, my dad had that on him. And um, who he's working for, the mutual funds that they were working with, he got invited up to one of the early, it had to have been the 91 series for the Bulls. Their car got broken into. And that autograph happened to be in that car. <laughs> where my dad's stuff got stolen and it was kind of wild that's yeah that's that's heartbreaking but i have the ticket to that game like i i have they have, stuff or they have, to that or they have the ball signed by jordan and i do have that ball you have the ball yeah i uh let's see you have to show me the ball sometime i don't oh, have that good, i don't have any good basket my best basketball is that lebron piece and then i've got a ball signed by Shaq. And I got one signed by Magic. 
So we've got the 9192 Bulls team autograph ball. And then uh, Nicholas won a uh, Michael Porter Jr. ball at a camp that we went to for the Nuggets, which okay. has a lot of great upside to it. And then um, for some of the school things that he did through Matthews, he has kind of a, a multi-signed ball by a variety of nuggets through the course of really cool. time, which is That's really cool. awesome. And then That's he's done his, yeah. yeah, and he's done his own hustle with the vast majority of the balls, yeah. um, baseballs that we have. So right. that's very fun. Let me know who his favorite players are. We'll figure something out. Okay. I'll figure something out. I got a um, – I got, a, I got a few things I'm actually thinking about selling. So I might, something might end up in Christmas, uh, Nicholas's uh, Christmas stock. Hey, it, given my knee scenario, I, I'd be good for any yeah. Christmas stockings this year. So, um, All right. So uh, back to baseball, we're talking about the, what's going on yes. in the postseason. We sidetracked, sidebarred there pretty long. <laughs> um, who do you think is going to win? Who you got winning? So we got the Astros and they're in the Red Sox and the American League. Who do you like? Um, I have to take the Red Sox just because we can't trust the Astros. See, I, I think the Astros are going to win. I think the Red Sox luck's going to end. I think the Red Sox are not as good a team. The Astros are on a mission. I think the Astros are on a mission to just kind of say, fuck everybody. They're, they they're still pissed about what happened. And, and they feel like they've been wrong. They feel like they've been wrongly accused in many ways. And I don't think that – I don't think the banging of the trash can was that big a deal, honestly. I really don't. I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think it's it was the reason. In a it's league, probably not a huge deal because people are stealing signs all the time. But let's not be so fucking obvious with it. Yeah. Well, at the same time, we were in a league right now where in baseball, we had to make a rule midseason that pitchers had to come off the mound and show the inside of their belts, <sighs> their hats, their gloves, because they were loading the ball up. Fair. So I think it's really hypocritical, especially for Yankee fans to start saying things to the Astros and the Red Sox because your guy who is $300 million all of a sudden couldn't pitch when you couldn't put foreign substances on the ball anymore. Although I will say um, the Rockies fans did put on a fair show even when they weren't allowed in Coors Field of being trash can lids. Yeah. That's outside. Yeah, so I, I thought it was. Uh, I, I'm I'm not rooting for the now my one of my other favorite players plays for the Astros. Though. I like I'm a big Alex Bregman fan. Mm. Yeah, he's LSU. Good LSU. Good yeah, so I, I'm a big fan of his. So if the, I'll be rooting for Bregman if the Astros beat the Red Sox, and, and if the Red Sox win, of course, I'm rooting for the Red Sox. And I will find a way to go to the World Series if the Red Sox win a game. If they, if they win, you know, I'm going to go. Do if it it's if the can. Red Sox Braves, I'm going to have to take the wife. I mean, that may hurt you, and you may also have to take the child. No. We've already, we've already said he's not going. Oh. Yep. Nope. Mom and dad only. Keep his ass home and go to school. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Well, don't get it twisted. You ain't going just because you live, because you live with dad. Good for you guys. Yeah. So, no, 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 no. He's gone to enough cool shit in his life. He's been to an all-star game. He's been to a lot of different ballparks, a lot of different stuff. He can sit this one out. 
I know. It's just one of those things that you're kind of like, yeah. Yeah. I haven't taken him to Wrigley yet. I've taken him to Fenway, but not to Wrigley. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was one of the really great things that I had the opportunity to do three years ago that I had a conference up in Chicago and my cousins had season tickets and I got a VRBO, Mm -hmm. Airbnb, whatever. And we ended up buying because the Cardinals were in town that weekend. Exactly. The perfect series. The perfect series if you're a Cubs fan. Yes. And so the night before we were supposed to go to the game, I went ahead and splurged and bought tickets and we went and Nicholas had been up for hours because he was flying up from Birmingham and it was just an all day thing for him. And by the time that we left, Cubs were down and we're listening to the game as we're walking back to the Airbnb as the Cubs continue to pull forward and win. And we weren't there. And the next day, it was just kind of a rainy, shitty day. We lost. But it was still a ton of fun. Now that I think about it, I have been to Wrigley with my son. Jen and Peyton took me to Wrigley like 10 years ago for Father's Day. Well, there you go. So I have been. Yeah, Because to this day, now again, I, I'm, I'm kind of Cubs adjacent. Because, I mean, they were on WGN every day when I was a kid. Yeah. I watch them at 1 o'clock, 1.20. So, I mean, you couldn't help but be a Cubs fan. And um, to this day, when I hear the Go Cubs Go song, a tear oh, comes to my eye. And the reason it is because that day, it just it came back and things that popped back in your memory. Mm-hmm. When we went to the game, our first hit, our, the first family game at Wrigley, mm-hmm. end of the game, it was Father's Day. I'm holding Peyton. He's mm-hmm. probably six or seven at the time, probably. You know, he's tired, but he's hugging dad over the neck. He's, he's so happy. And, and they were singing go Cubs go. And every time I hear that song, I think of that moment. Now. That's awesome. So that I do. I, 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 yeah. We had a, a moment similar to that in Boston as well. So Yeah. No, Nicholas and I, I think have a lifelong dream of hitting every single park. Yeah. We, we're going to try. I mean, I know we talked a couple weeks ago about, we wanted to do, like, I'm getting groups to go do the college football thing. Mm-hmm. But I want to go to as many baseball parks. I've been to a bunch. I've been, uh, I mean, probably 15 or 20. Now, not I all think the I've been 10. Think. I've been, I haven't been to the Braves new one. Been to Fenway. I've been to, I don't even go through them all. I've, I've been to probably of current stadiums, I've probably been to about 10. That sounds about right. So I've been up your way, been to San Diego, been, you know, Arizona, a few others. I mean, here in Kaufman, St. Louis. What's your, what's your, other than Wrigley, what's your favorite stadium mm-hmm. you've been to? Excuse me. Um, the new Yankee Stadium was very interesting. It'll be the last one on my list. I want to go when, like, no one's there. And I want to go to Monument Park and, and relieve myself. I can appreciate that. Like, this was a total kind of random thing that we did because <laughs> we had gone up to New York to go see Billy Joel at Madison Square Garden. That'd be cool. Yeah. 
which is a tremendous show. If you can go see it, he yeah. is the fourth pillar of their um, tremendous opportunity. And Yankees had a game. It was the some Tito Martinez, I think, was being retired. And it was his bobblehead day. I don't know. Um, that was a really interesting park. Yeah. But beyond that, I really like Dodger Stadium, frankly. I haven't been there yet. I was going to go a couple years ago when the Red Sox played the Dodgers in the World Series. I was trying to talk myself into going to game six. And one of my good friends was living in San Diego at the time. And she says, hey, I can get two tickets for $100 game six. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the day before. So the game six was on Sunday. She told me Saturday afternoon. I would have been like, like, how yeah. the hell do you get from Kansas City to L.A. before the game? And I figured it out at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I figured out, okay, if I'm at the airport by 7, I can be on this flight that leaves at 9.30. I can be at LAX at like 2. The mm-hmm. game starts at four. Like, I'm going to have to get an Uber straight to the ballpark. I just couldn't do it, though. Like, the, the plane ticket was going to be, like, $1,700. And I was like, right. I just can't do it. Right. I regret it now. Now I wish I'd have done it. No, yeah. I, I, I've had a couple opportunities to go to Dodger Stadium, and yeah. I've enjoyed it. I would like to see a lot of the newer parks and just kind of yeah. see how they function. Yeah. But – that's the same reason why I want to go to Fenway because it's ancient. <laughs> yeah. See, I think Fenway and, and Wrigley are the kind of the same kind of. Yes. And it has really been the book. They're my two favorites by far. My least favorite St. Louis. Uh, I, mean, I like it's how it's built in downtown. Yes. I think it's a cool looking park, but I don't, I think Cardinals fans are overrated. The, Best fans in baseball, they, that's just that's a lie. It's the best worst fans. They're like to the they're actually, they're actually near the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, they're actually near the bottom. Them and Yankee fans can both, you know, kiss, you know, whatever they want to kiss. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite ballpark other than those two. San Diego's is really cool. Petco? Petco's really cool. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of built into it's built in downtown and it kind of mm-hmm. shoehorned it in. Okay. Like, so some of the stuff you see, it's, it's really, I liked it. I like Petco. I like it. I think it's a really cool one. Um, yeah, those are probably my three favorites that I've been to. Nice. Yeah. There's a lot. I'm going to, you know, now we're, now we're getting through the COVID. We're getting out of COVID. People go to the goddamn vaccinations, people. Do it. Get your get boosters it, if it, you can. Get it done. Get it done. If you don't, if, you, if you're doing your own research, you know, when you get through your clinical trials, then you can then you can go ahead and get your you get it done. If you're not doing clinical trials and you're not really doing research, just get the goddamn vaccine. Your doctor will tell you the same thing. Uh, I'm here for this. Yeah. So sorry, I'm that's my little side tangent there. Um, but yeah, so I, I as we're watching this one on the bottom of the eighth, it's still one one. Buster Posey's trying to be cute yeah. at the plate. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes. I think so, too. You know, it's funny. We have three catchers right now in baseball who are all going to play in the Hall of Fame. Well, frankly, if you don't change a rule, if you change a rule on behalf of someone, that person has to be a Hall of Famer, full stop. <laughs> well, I think Posey's a Hall of Famer. 
I think Yachty's a Hall of Famer. The other kids, mm. the card. I think I think Salvador Perez is a Hall of Famer. I hope so. I, I think he is. I first of all, love especially that. after this season. My this God. season, I think, cements it. He has had. If it wasn't this season, he'd be he'd be he'd be an MVP. I mean, just Otani is just so hard to beat. No one's going to catch Otani. I mean, well, Perez should finish third or fourth. I mean, Guerrero had a great season too. It's going to be really interesting relative to Otani, though, right? If you're going to have a two-way player yeah. consistently for a number of years, how do you split your votes? Yeah, well, I, I think it's interesting. The leagues catch up to pitchers and the leagues catch up to hitters. He can't play this consistently well forever. I mean, it's just something's going to have to give at some point. And right now the Angels are in a spot where he can do both. Um, I think what will happen is eventually he'll be a free agent in a couple of years. Someone will pay him and someone will say, we want you to primarily do this. What I would do if I was in like an American League team, Mm -hmm. I would make Otani a DH and make him a closer. I'd say you can't play any outfield. You're our DH and you're our closer. But why wouldn't you want to have him as a mid-inning reliever in the National League, assuming that they still allow pitchers yeah. to hit? The issue is going to be you get into a game, you have to take him out as a pitcher. He has to come out of the lineup. Mm. So if he's not pitching well, or even if he is pitching well, no one goes nine innings hardly anymore. Well, that's why I'm saying mid. So I, I think you have to. I, I really think that what I would do is I'd make him a DH in my closer because then he can pitch the ninth. It wouldn't matter what happens in the lineup. Interesting. I'd find out if he could pitch one. I, I'd figure out if he could pitch one inning three days in a row. If he can do that, that's my closer and my DH. Let him play right once in a while. But I would probably wouldn't even play him in right because I wouldn't want to spoil his arm. Well, it depends on the perk, right? Yeah. So I, that's what I would do. I, that's that's how he can do both, in my view. So that's interesting. I like that. Yeah, that's that's what I think. It's some team's going to think of that. I just hope it's not the New York Yankees. They are the evil empire. You know, they're they're evil, and they're not really so much of an empire in that they don't actually succeed. See, that's the craziest thing is that I even failed to realize is that they haven't been anywhere in 12 years. Yeah, you listened to my podcast last week. I did. <laughs> yeah, um, I, so, you know, they fired their, they fired the staff today. Oh, really? They fired uh, assistant coach, three assistant coaches today. Boone did not get fired, and Cashman did not get fired. And if you listen last week, you know, Boone, Boone and Cashman were the first right? two. What's that? Boone is under a contract re- renegotiation, correct? I don't know his contract status, but he's a manager, so managers are pretty expendable. I think that – I think I would seriously have to bring him in and say, dude, you, you had everything you wanted this year. You didn't get anything done. You're out. 
Okay. I give him, I give him the Vince McMahon treatment. You're fired. You're out of here. Out of here. We'll send your shit to you in a box. I did the same thing for Brian Cashman. The only reason Brian Cashman, it has to be the only reason he's still available, he's still the GM, is that he must be making them a lot of money somehow. But he he's not done a good job as a general manager. I mean, honestly, I really, I, you know, if we say these kind of things as hyperbole, I could do just as good a job as the general manager of the New York Yankees as Brian Cashman is. Because all he does is scratch checks. Think of it this way. Okay, you're a Cubs fan. Yes. The four Cubs players that they've gotten rid of in the last year, in the last season. Okay, this would be three. Since June. Well, the, I'm, t- I'm going to say Swarber in the offseason with the Washington, who then was traded to Boston. Bryant, Rizzo, Baez. Okay. The, the Yankees went and got a first baseman. They really didn't need. They could have made that all work. But they went ahead and got paid the biggest money out of all of them and got Rizzo, which was no help. I mean, he was – I mean, a net def- defensively he was a net positive, but he wasn't that good at the bat. Both well, and he was out for a period as well yeah. with COVID, right? And then also they brought in Joey Gallo, who was a, a net negative to them. It, they, they buy big-name players, even if it's a rental, just because they can. So what my thought process is, is what is the marketing standpoint off of that? Yeah. It, it's Where's... not a marketing standpoint. It's simply we have to spend – they have to spend money to get players because they have not developed players. Do they have no farm system at all? Okay, so they have Aaron Judge, came from their farm system. Right. Good player, great player. Um, Glimmer Torres, who I think highly of. I think Glimmer Torres is going to be a really good ball player. He came from their farm system. Uh, They had this Jason Dominguez kid. Not the Jason Dominguez we both know. But Jason Dominguez. (laughs) They call him the Martian. is his nickname. He's a 1980. He signed him as a 17 or 18-year-old kid. He's like 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be the next big thing. He's also in the Yankees minor league system. Um, so shout out to my friend, Jason Dominguez, our friend, Jason Dominguez. Uh, not the one in the Yankees organization. Um, so it's like they have to buy them. They don't develop players. I mean, okay. look at what the Rays have done. And it doesn't mean you can't go buy free agents. Look at what the Rays have done over the last few years. They get players who aren't homegrown players. Sure. But what do they do? They go and they do it efficiently. You know, the, the Red Sox have done the same thing. I mean, you well, even look at the Royals. Sox, and I would challenge you to say, who's the big free agent we've signed? We traded for Kyle Schwarber. The last big free agent was JD Martinez. They had a chance to sign Mookie Betts, didn't do it. You know, I mean, they traded for Chris Sale. You know, and, and they gave up a guy to get Chris Sale, they had to give up quite a bit in their organization, but they've had young players in the organization to give up to bring up players. You know, Bogart's endeavors, the two corner pieces of the Red Sox right now, their own organization. You know, it's, it's an example. I mean, the, the Rays right now, Franco and Randy Rosarino, their own guys. That's the problem the Yankees have is that they have to satisfy. They're trying to satisfy the back page of the New York post. 
Stanton, Rizzo, Gallo. I mean, none of them have been none of them have been the, the the player that they should have been. You know, I love that. You know, Giancarlo Stanton said, you know, if I could, he he was making fun of the Astros, saying if I knew what was being pitched, I could hit eighty home runs. Alex Bregman said, you know, if you stayed healthy for eighty games or more than eighty games, you might hit some home runs. You know, I. <laughs> I just I have a real problem with that, and like your Cubs, just they didn't give away the farm. All those moves made sense in baseball terms. You don't have so. to like them. You don't have to like them. Believe me, I did not like trading Mookie Betts, and I held it against Alex Verdugo up until about two months ago. Yeah, but you also didn't dump your primary four players within a calendar year. No, but we did. But we did trade the best player in franchise history, and it's been really tough. Surefire Hall of Fame to see those four scattered to the winds, yeah. with no acknowledgement of much coming up. Yeah. And they're talking about trying to re-sign other players that they've traded. Yeah. And you those four come back? From what I have read, KB would – he didn't want to leave, but yeah. he gave up. Yeah. Schwarber probably understood that yeah. – I think Schwarber was mad that he, let, he, had, he had to leave. I'm sure – I think on some level, every single one of them were pissed off that they got sloughed. I was surprised on Baez. I wasn't surprised by the other three. Baez is so, God love him, sketchy on his consistency. Well, he's, he strikes out a lot, but that's baseball. It's not even that. It was his fielding up to that point. He was getting inconsistent. He was trying to do too much flourish yeah. and not just get the fundamentals down. Yeah. And it was causing issues. Yeah. We're in the ninth. So who, what's going on right now? We got some we shit going out here in the ninth. Got two on. I just have two on and one out. Uh-oh. Yep. And Bellinger's up. Cody. Yeah, you know what? And, and if you're a lady, if you don't know who Cody Bellinger is, look him up. Oof. Every girl that I know sees Cody Bellinger is like, oh man, he looks like a model. He's tiny. Yeah, but he looks like a model. He's gonna, yeah. he's gonna make a, he's gonna make a mint as a model when he's retired from baseball. Yeah, yeah. he's a good looking cat. Makes me yeah. sick when you're a really good ball player and you're good looking like that. I mean, most of them are like, in some weird way. Yeah, well, because you're athletic and built and look like that. Yeah, yeah. There's no fat guys like me in the well, unless they play for the Brooks. <laughs> there, there are some thick dudes. They just yeah. play in Milwaukee. They, they all play in Milwaukee. You know, they all they all eat bratwurst and drink beer all day, apparently. And cheese. Let's not cheese. forget the cheese. Cheese. Please. All right. All right. Last thing we're gonna do, and then we're gonna get up out of here. All right, yes. so, you know, I got to do my Coach Bo power rankings each week. We're going to do uh, the college football or the NFL first. Dealer's choice. What do you want? Mm, let's go NFL for the chaos. NFL for the chaos. Okay. Uh, you want to go one to five or five to one? 
Five to one. All right. Number five, I have Tampa Bay. Bucks. Okay. Four. The team I still think is going to be Super Bowl champs. That's the Rams. Okay. Yeah, best defense. They're going to come around there. I mean, the Rams look a lot like the Bucks did last year. I Stafford, just Stafford that offense gets to figure it out. They're gonna be a tough beat. I I dig Stafford, and I would hope for him that that happens. Mm-hmm. I would just need to look at the schedule for the back half of the season. Number three, new to my top five, the Chargers. Oh really? Yeah. Your boys kind of giving you influence there. No, no. This is the Chargers. I just I'm really impressed with what I've seen. Okay. I just I'm really impressed. Number two, the only undefeated team left, the Arizona Cardinals. Good for them, man. Yeah. And Kyler Murray's playing like an MVP right now. So uh, that's 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 an awesome one. The Dodgers just scored now in the ninth. It is now two one. Runners on the corner, one run out. Yep. So number one, Buffalo Bills. Right now the best team in football. You know, I don't trust that. I really don't. They I had them should. one last. I had them one last. I've had them one for the last two weeks. I know. I mean, and they showed pretty well on Sunday on a major like stage. I see. They, they still don't trust it. They dominated the Chiefs in every way. I had them number one last week. There's no way I'm taking them off till they lose. They I just were, want to see them. I want to see them against a solid defense. I, I I believe in them right now. I believe in Josh Allen. I really believe in that defense. So this was a hard one, though. The the, the four, five, and then I got three teams that could have been six, seven, eight. They could have all been in the top five. It's the Packers, who I had at five last week. The Ravens, because Lamar Jackson's playing like an MVP again. Yeah. And boy, I hate to admit this, but these guys look good. The Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I have them at six right now. I mean, they would be, the, they're sort of the next one. Their, their defense is looking really great. Um, I'm just, I'm very impressed with the Cowboys. I don't like the head Cowboys head coach, but their, their coordinators are carrying those teams. The defense is playing so well in the offense. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to tear it up. And they play that set either third or fourth place schedule. So they don't have, they're not playing last year's division winners across the board. That's what hurts a team like the Chiefs as well. Well, and we're about to hit that mean mid-season stretch where a lot of teams are starting to hit those yeah. difficult matchups. Yeah. Especially with buys, and you're trying to manage among yeah. that. So we'll we'll see how the next four weeks goes. After those eight that I just talked about, I think the Chiefs are in the next group with you know, the Browns, the Bengals, a few others in there. Um, yeah, I'm just there's a lot of teams I'm just not sold on just yet. So um, we'll see. But that's where I'm at right now. That's my top five there. Um, anything you think I'm way off on? No, no. I. It's fair. Okay. All right. Now you're not going to agree with some of these. Okay. Ready for, ready for the college football talk? Mm. All right. Number five. You'll go five to one or one to five? One to five. All right, one if I will, one's Georgia. Cool. Georgia's the best team. I think Georgia could beat two or three of the NFL teams. Okay. I think Georgia would beat the hell out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
Trevor Lawrence wanted nothing to do with that Georgia defense. Uh, I think Urban Meyer would figure out a way to fuck that up. But well, we know what Urban Meyer is going to do. He's mm-hmm. going to get up. He's going to lose the game, get upset, and go to a bar and let a young lady find a cute little girl. Find to... a cute little girl and let her, you know, drown in her sorrows. Yep. Good for Urban Meyer. Just don't do it when you set a flight home with your team. No. If you want to know my true thoughts on Urban Meyer, go to last week's point five. <laughs> Uh, number two, this is going to be a little controversial. I think this team wins out there in Cincinnati. I don't think they're going to lose, and I think they're getting in the playoff. So I think this is fair. I haven't watched Cincinnati play, but given the Power Five structure, how does that kind of wild card thing plan? So I was talking to Tyler Jones about this in the Jones report, and we mm-hmm. talked about kind of how we saw things going. Bama losing helps Cincinnati. He doesn't think so, but I think so. Cincinnati has just has needed to have Georgia beat Alabama. Because a two-loss Bama can't get in. A one-loss Bama can't. But where I think it's interesting is the Big Ten. The Big Ten is going to have a whole bunch of teams beating each other up. And You've got, but just this past week, Iowa somehow beat Penn State. So now you have Penn State with one loss. Iowa's undefeated. Yeah. Um, they have Michigan is undefeated. Michigan State is undefeated. Both of them are six and zero. Oh. Hmm. They all play one another. You got Ohio State sitting with one loss. I don't think anyone's getting out of the Big Ten unscathed. Fair. And I think because of that. I don't think they're getting the team into the playoff. Okay. Interesting. Because the highest rated team right now is Iowa. The only team that can break this is Michigan. If Michigan can win out and win, but they have to, but everybody has to win out. Michigan, Michigan State, or Iowa, one of those three has to win out. And I just don't think any of them can. I think Michigan's going to run into Ohio State like they do every year. I think Iowa's going to run into somebody, and Michigan State's Michigan State. And Big Ten still has a playoff, but right? They still have a championship game. So that's where the argument could be, well, what about a one-loss Ohio State team mm-hmm. that could win the Big, Big Ten? But they're too far back in the pack now, and if all of them have one loss – I don't think you think one of them is better than the rest. Interesting. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, then you look at the, the Big 12. You got two undefeated teams left, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And you get the Bedlam game. It all comes down to that, if they both win out. And Sorry, I just have to pause just because Scherzer is uh, in the bullpen warming up for the Dodgers. Yeah, the Giants brought in Gosman to pitch here. So let's see what happens. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. What if they both win out, get to that last, but to the Bedlam game, you could see one of those two jump in. Here's where I think yep. Monkey Rich that is. I think Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma. I do. Okay. I think Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's really overrated, and I just I do. I don't think if you allow 48 points to, to Texas that I can give you any respect as a teammate. 
I, I think that is a fair assessment. Um, I have to, on some level, respect Oklahoma for coming back. Yeah, well, and, congratulations. You came back against Texas, who we know is now we now know is a fraud. And I think Oklahoma's a fraud. I don't I think they could switch quarterbacks. I've watched them three times this year. I watched them squeak by K-State. I watched them get their ass kicked in the second half by Tulane. If the Tulane game was two minutes longer, Oklahoma loses. Okay. And then Oklahoma had to thunder back against Texas in a 55-48 game. I don't you've watched you more than I have. If you give up 48 points in a football game, you're not a good team. That's fair. So uh, there, to me, no. So that's where I think Cincinnati is going to sneak in. They, they win out. They have to win out. But they went out. I think they're in. Number three, we'll go back to the rankings here. So one was in Georgia, two at Cincinnati. Number three is the one lost Bama team. I look, they're the second, they're probably the second best football team. They used to play well this past week. No, listen, they're not going to be perfect every single game, every single season. I've lived. My former in-laws live in Tuscaloosa. I've been to a fair number of Alabama games, which didn't matter. Um, It is a fascinating culture. And um, being able to rile my ex-husband, not only about brewers, but the Crimson Tide kind of gives me some pleasure. But yes. I mean, in this in this field, what are they going to do until Nick Saban retires? Yeah. They are going to continue to be a top five perennial yeah. program. Yeah. So I, I've got them at three right now. They have a chance to go in by just beating Georgia in the SEC championship game. So they're not out. Four, I have Iowa because well, they're undefeated. I I have zero respect. I just don't think they're that good a team. And I just this, this I, I is think for in, a March. Month, in a month we're gonna have to go, really? Remember when Iowa was in the top five? No, I I will say the RIP from Marge, my mom who grew up in Iowa was a Hawkeye fan. Yeah. That yeah. shouts. Yeah. So number five, I have Oklahoma. Yes, I call them a fraud, but they are still undefeated. So <laughs> um I, I should write the Oklahoma State instead of Oklahoma, but um at five, I have Oklahoma. Again, if they win out, they're gonna they're gonna get in the playoff. But uh, total fraud. If they get in the playoff, this team is just like the team from 2019. They'll be they'll score forty points every week. They'll allow thirty eight. Then they'll get into the playoff and they'll play someone really good, like they did in twenty nineteen. I was there at the Peach Bowl when it happened, and they gave up thirty five points in the first quarter. To LSU. Yeah. That was such a great game, too. I mean, the OU fans were just angry the whole time. Well, how would you not be? No, You've no. been mulled well, into complacency. We knew it was going to happen. We were like, y'all, y'all going to lose. By the way, I have a great story. You'll like this. The bars in and around the stadium, the hotel, one of the, the LSU team hotel ran out of beer the night before the game. Two of the bars 
next to the stadium. Ran out of beer the night of the game. Wow. This is really poor play. LSU fans were not fucking around in Atlanta in 2019. We had just been there. LSU had just been there, and they ran their they ran the bar out of the, the, the LSU hotel, ran out of bourbon at the SEC championship game. They ran out of beer at the at the at the Peach Bowl. This is poor planning. Yeah, you gotta know if LSU players are coming. They're coming. I like like the, like the gift the gift of Coach Ogeron, you know. Oh, we're coming. <laughs> yes, and we're not backing down. You know, LSU fans bring it. Ask the city of Omaha. LSU fans bring it. That's a College World Series. Yes, if you don't know, if tie you don't, in if you don't know. If you don't know, yeah. So like they just call Omaha Baton Rouge North when LSU goes because when LSU goes, the city of Baton Rouge basically comes. Out. <laughs> it's a caravan. There's like a caravan. It's like someone's driving a shitload of pickup trucks from Louisiana up to up to Omaha. If you ever get a chance, by the way, if you've never been to the College Bowl series, you should do it. It's fun. Omaha I've heard is, it's Omaha. amazing. It's, 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 it is amazing. It's especially amazing when LSU goes. So, so there's my top five: Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, Iowa, OU. I I, I think that two teams control three teams control their own destiny here. You know, Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama all control their destiny. They went out there in. I think a one-loss Georgia team can get back in. If they win out, lose to Bama, and if it's a close game, I think they'll both get mm-hmm. in. Uh, Cincinnati, I think, wins out, gets in. And then I think it comes down to the Big Ten and the Big 12 has to have an undefeated champion. Have to be undefeated. Well, I don't the- think it's going to happen in the Big Ten. Well, and given that they both have a championship game. Yeah. That makes the uh, guys even harder. That could be the tiebreaker. Yeah. I think that's going to be the hardest part. So that's where I'm at on that. So that's Coach Bo's power rankings, college football, <gasps> and the NFL. We've been on for a while now. We've had some fun. Oh, we got a little boo-boo here. We, do you want to hang on yeah. to the ninth or not? I'm, I'm good to hang on until we close this out. All right, we're going to have to do this because then we're going to make our LCS picks. So there's <laughs> one out. Scherzer's in for the Dodgers. There's a runner on first because Turner, your boy here, uh, <laughs> misplaced the ball. Had a little error on third. Yeah, a little error. Yeah, so you know, a, a double play ball gets the Dodgers out of this and – but what a great season the, the Giants have had. Even if they lose this game, even if they lose this game, they will win 103 games, 104. No one thought the, the Giants were going to be there. No. I mean, everybody said it's the Dodgers, the Padres were behind them, and the Giants just came out swinging, and they've played well all season. Well, and it was just kind of wild how the Padres kind of fell off yeah. mid to late season. Yeah, like in August. Yes, and the Giants just were steady Eddie all the way through. And then with the acquisitions that they made at the trade deadline, it just shored everything up for them. And it wasn't like they went and just did like unbelievably weird deals. I mean, they went at Chris Bryant, who's the the thing that's great about Bryant is that he can play multiple positions. He can. And that helps. And Um, I mean, that also what killed me when – the Giants came back to Cruz Field because I was like, oh, we'll get left field tickets. And and he was playing right field. Um, Wait till the morning of the game next time. 
Where's the lineup? Yes. And it was the worst. And then, so the, the last Giants game that we went to, we got center and I was just kind of like, well, that's your best chance. Um, so yeah. When it comes to Bryant, Rizzo, Schwarber, Baez. Yeah. Is there any place they can't end up? Is there any place where you disown them? They're all be free agents now. Schwarber has a mutual uh, option with the Red Sox, which is going to get exercised. Like they both want that. Yeah, I I don't have any angst about anybody chasing their money. You know, they I, should. I think we agree on that. We don't both. I think we both live by that creed of they're they're skilled, they're talented. Yep. Go get after it. Yep. If somebody went and played for St. Louis, I would have angst. I do have angst for former Cubs players who won a World Series with Cubs who are currently playing for St. Louis. It's not the greatest feeling for me to watch that. I just dis- uh, I just disregard a Red Sox goes to the Yankees. Like Johnny Damon can go to hell. Yeah, I can understand that. What I'm curious about, especially with the White Sox, and what they have done recently and with their postseason run that they did, what are they going to do? I mean, they took our color, our play-by-play analyst yeah, <laughs> offseason. Yeah. And I love John Chiambi. Yeah. Love him. I like Boog. I, like, I, like I think he's a good announcer. He's one of my favorites. I enjoy him so much. It was just unexpected to all of a sudden see this change from Len. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I like Boog. I, I like the thing with uh, Boog Shiabi and Chipper Jones. You know the story? No. So you know they were on um, Monday nights together for a little bit. Yeah. And they go back to where Boog Shiabi was at one time working for ESPN. He was doing games, and he was at a Braves game. And uh-huh. Chipper Jones was still playing at the time. And so before the game, he was talking to Chipper Jones, and Chipper Jones swings at the first pitch a lot. Yes. His argument was sometimes it's the only fastball he'll see in an at-bat. So Shiambi told him, he says, do you realize the advanced metrics, if you didn't swing at the first pitch, what would happen? You know, if you don't swing at the first pitch, you're going to be able to get this many more pitches, you're going to see this many more fastballs, yada, yada, yada. So the first inning of the game, Chipper Jones, the third batter. He he told Shiambi before the game, I'm not going to swing at the first pitch. First pitch, fastball, right down the middle. Strike one. Chipper doesn't swing. He steps out the box. He looks up and looks Shiambi. I guess they made eye contact. He just shook his head. Like, nope. Nope. <laughs> and it was just one of those things, never again. Because it was the only fastball he got the entire at-bat. I... That's hey. a big deal if you're about, if you're in a major league. You if you're a hitter, you're a fastball hitter, you got to jump on the first one. I get it, and I love hearing him on the call, and I love seeing I his shoes that he shows and all this kind of stuff. But you know, I would tell you if you if you like him or want to know more about him, he did an interview right before the season. I think it was Sarah Spain on Sarah Spain's podcast. Mm-hmm. If you I won't listen, that's one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, that's what she said by Sarah Spain. Oh, shit. Really, really great. 
And um, she, she had uh, him the all Dodgers made. just closed this out. Oh, yes. And, oh, double. Yep. Uh, we have a strikeout, and the Dodgers are going to the NLCS. And NLCS, we now know it'll be the Dodgers and the Braves. So you're taking the Dodgers? No. You're picking the Braves? Yeah. How many games? It's out of seven, right? That's the seven. Going for. Whoa, whoa! Not only are you going with the long odds here on the on the Braves, you're going to the Braves on the sweep. I'll get the Dodgers in six. All right, now the important one: the Astros and the Red Sox. What you got? I mean, I have to take the Red Sox. You don't have to. I do. Five. I'm picking their I'm picking the Astros to win. I, the Astros are gonna win it in six. I'm rooting for the Red Sox. I want the Red Sox to win in seven. I won't sell the pitch games one, four, and seven. Uh that's not likely. Um the Red Sox only chance is that sale comes out game one and just dominates. And then he dominates again in game five and they steal a game. And and, and they somehow get that game six at Fenway Park. That's the only chance they get. Otherwise, I mean, I really think the Astros are on a mission. I think you could take – have you ever seen Rogue One, the, the, the Star yeah. Wars movie? You know that final scene where Darth Vader is trying to get onto the ship and he cuts through yeah. the different – that is what the Astros are going to try to do to people in the offseason – or in the, in the postseason. So they've done so far. They're just on a different mission than everybody else. And, and, I the most, and I think they're the most complete team. That lineup's awesome. They can pitch. I mean, they got Granky in the bullpen. But the thing of it is, is that redemption arc will come and bite you in your ass. Probably. But I also, I'm kind of half-assed rooting for Dusty Bay. I'd, like, Dusty. To see him get, I'd like to see Dusty get one. I think if he gets one, he gets in the Hall of Fame. Love Dusty. If he's he been wins this one, he gets in the Hall of Fame. He's been done dirty and um he he's deserves a, some success. He's got a bad rep. The rep on dirt on Dusty Baker's that he's throwing guys' arms out and all that stuff. So I'm rooting for Dusty. I want to see him do well. My man Alex Bregman, who I think is just an unmarked superstar. Uh I mean, there was nobody who played better than Alex Bregman from August first of the end of the season. Yeah. He was and stellar. He's, he's an MVP kind of guy. I root for him. He's a, he's a Tiger. LSU, go Tigers. And, you know, how Cody Bellinger getting this game-winning yeah. RBI here at the top of the ninth. Good yeah. for him. Yeah, so I, I'm my, – my rooting interest, I, I'm, I'm going to root for the Dodgers from Mookie. I'm going to root for the Red Sox. I think we are going to see a Dodgers-Astros World Series. And I think the Astros are going to pull it off in seven. Well, um, I hope you're wrong in the sense that I would like to see Schwarber just get another one. Yeah, I, I want Schwarber to get one. I'd like to see the only player he be, will he be the only player in history to get a Red, uh, get a World Series with the Red Sox and the Cubs? I don't you have to be because there's nobody with the Cubs on the Red Sox currently. I, but history is a long time. Yeah, but there's not that many Cubs walking around with rings. 
have some from a long time ago. Are any of them alive? Some crossover. Any of them alive? No, they're not alive. <laughs> Babe Ruth isn't alive either. So no, but we don't claim him. He's a Yankee. Babe Ruth was a was a fat guy with little girl legs. That's the best Seinfeld line of all time. <laughs> Babe Ruth was nothing more than a fat a fat guy with little girl legs. It worked. Yeah. Babe Ruth is not what Big Poppy is. Big Poppy. You take Big Poppy or Babe Ruth? Steroids does great things. There's nothing wrong with Big Poppy. I am that that dude is. That's the. He's a great dude. He had to endure a lot of shit getting attacked. Yeah. So. You know my. uh, You know Jen. That's Jen's guy. She loves Big Poppy. She says if she ever meets Big Poppy, she just wants to hug him. He would be an excellent hugger. Wouldn't he? I, I, even I would want to hug Big Poppy. It, it would be a full, like, body to body thing going yeah. on. It would be good. All right. So, um, thank you as a Cub for the Cubs fans. On behalf of the Red <laughs> Sox community, I want to say thank you for Kyle Schwarber. You're welcome. Thank, we want to thank you for Kyle Schwarber. He's helped us very generously. We will keep him. Would you like J.D. Martinez in, in, in exchange? No, I'm tired of shit Cubs trades. I would love to give somebody J.D. Martinez if the season's over. No, I'm tired. I Opt out, J.D., opt out. Opt out. We'll go sign somebody. We don't need you. I've done you know, why, you know, you know the reason I don't like J.D. Martinez, don't you? No. This is where we'll put the hold music. Hang on. <laughs> And we're back. Fair I assessment. Have, I don't have hold music, so that's where the little pause. Fair and assessment. That's the reason I don't like JD Martinez. No, great I, hitter, I, great, great hitter. I mean, generational type of hitter. I'm good but, with that, yeah. but I I've been short shrifted my entire knowledge of Cubs fandom. So awesome. yeah. So hey. Ellen, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate Thanks, it. We've had a long roundabout talk of everything <laughs> from squid games to baseball to college football to everything else. And um, yeah, we'll shouts to, to you and Tyler cleaning yeah. this all up in the back end. Yeah, so we've only got to clean up one thing. Should we tell them what happened? No. Yeah. Want to figure it out? It'll be a mystery. Okay. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Hey, and uh, here you're like, I get to get my notes back up here now. You know, we have a script, you know. Get I, the I, script. I Do your close script. out. You know, you have to have, the, the, you know, the notes and everything else. So I want to properly thank everybody. So, all right. So usually this is where I come in after some host or some bump music and I say, hey, thanks to whoever my guest was. But hey, E, thank you so much. Love you, girl. Appreciate yeah, it. for coming on the show. Uh, I want to say thanks to Tyler Jones and everyone at Soapbox Studios. Studio Soapbox, sorry, it's late at night, guys. Uh, for all you do behind the scenes, you never know how much you're appreciated. Uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Without you, we wouldn't be here. I appreciate it. Uh, don't forget to rate us, review us. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five-star review. You would not believe how much it actually means to us. And share. Yes, share. and share. Tell everybody you love the Coach Bo podcast. Hey, and if you check it out, the Coach Bo podcast, also check out the Studio Soapbox, the Jones Report. Tyler Jones is the man. He's got a great thing. And we've got a couple of new podcasts on the Studio Soapbox Network. 
Uh, we'll get you all the information for that next week. There's a couple or we've got a couple of great ones coming. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I'll be on a couple of them next couple of weeks. So uh, we're always kind of networking together. It's great. So uh, until next time, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, here with my co-host Azure. <laughs> uh, have a great weekend and uh, let's all get a little better, okay? Take care. <laughs>